Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in. everyone and a welcome to the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host Marissa Cantor and with me as always is Sam Chung. Hello Marissa, it's just us today. So <laughs> after a couple weeks of having guests today, no guests, back to just us. Just the two of us. Um, I hope we don't disappoint. Yeah, I hope so. I wonder if we still have it. It really has been. I think it's been a full month since it's been just us three weeks what's up besides like election anxiety and existential dread <laughs> i don't have existential dread you you have existential <laughs> dread i do <laughs> um i'm generally okay what did what's happened recently oh we one of our listeners reached out to us apparently we are not the only people who have watched when do we eat i know which is a crazy thing to think about that other people have actually watched when do we eat but you know hey it's it, like we we all have like a shared trauma now so <laughs> <laughs> so we can all like have that experience together yeah it's like that's the thing that happened marissa it was halloween this past week did you have a good halloween what halloween did you not know that we are still in the middle of a global pandemic because my social media did not what do you mean? Halloween means you just open your window and throw candy at people out on the street from the window. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. And I know I'm preaching to the choir in terms of my social media bubble because all my friends and I are very much in the same, like we barely leave our homes place. But to see groups of people at Halloween parties Parents taking their kids trick-or-treating and like on the heels of the day before being the highest recorded number of COVID cases in the country, like almost 100,000 people tested positive for COVID on October 30th. What is going on? Well, it was a unique Halloween. It was a full moon. It was daylight saving. Not savings. It's daylight saving, singular. You know, so you get an extra hour of trick-or-treating. I guess people just couldn't resist. Well, people should resist because a pandemic is still happening. People are dying. It's just frustrating. I know we keep the outfit repeaters as a positive place. Yeah, you're really bringing the mood down. But it's just, but it's important. It's so important because other parts of the world are doing much better than us. Because they care about each other and the government has measures in place and are taking care of their people. Yeah. Another thing that I want to discuss in a similar place of frustration is rom-coms. What about rom-coms? Okay. It's not rom-coms per se. I love rom-coms. 
this has been established. I write rom-coms. I love to watch rom-coms. But so in the past week, I have my media consumption has been less television and more I've been reading more for the first time this year, which is very refreshing for me because <laughs> um, it's been a tough year to focus on reading books. I feel like this year I have bought more books than I have ever bought, but I have read less than I have ever read. So I've been reading more and nothing grinds my gears more than a book being marketed as a rom-com but then you read it and it is not a rom-com yeah and then do you subtweet them I do subtweet them (laughs) wow but that's not necessarily like the writer's fault no it's not on the writer it's on publishing and marketing because you know rom-coms have become more of a trend in the last couple years and Publishing just loves to slap rom-com on their books if there is just like a shred of romance in it. But it is okay for a book to just be a contemporary fiction novel with a romantic, you know, element that doesn't... A rom-com has expectations and when those expectations aren't met, it is disappointing. Like if I go into a book thinking it's a rom-com... And it's objectively a good book otherwise that I would have enjoyed if it was marketed correctly. I am just left disappointed because it didn't meet my expectations. Maybe moving forward, you just need to be more diligent about doing research about the books you choose before you read them. And then you won't go in with false expectations. But the onus should not be on the reader to have to like meticulously read. Like that's what marketing materials are for. Publishing just needs to market their books correctly. Yeah, but it's like going to see a movie, right? Like, it would be just going to see a movie without looking up the Rotten Tomatoes score first. Yeah, but I do that. Yeah, so then if you if you read the, like, what you're, if you did that, if you do the research, you, you'll have a better idea of what to expect. But even sometimes the research isn't very clear. Like, you have to, because even, like, trade reviews will get it wrong or not make it clear and then you have to go into goodreads reviews and that is a whole other story that is goodreads is a crazy place yeah that i as an author try to stay off of but the point is if a book doesn't follow the conventional format of a rom-com if it does not have a happily ever after or happy for now it is not a rom-com stop calling it a rom-com people will read your book if it's not a rom-com and like it it can do one of two things you're either disappointing readers who think it's a rom-com or you are you know you are losing readers who maybe like rom-coms aren't their thing but they would have otherwise picked up the book if they just realized it was more of a contemporary maybe it's more of a family-focused story or a friendship story or about a breakup like not everything needs to be called a rom-com And it's frustrating. And like, I understand. I understand that it's been a really hard year for bookstores, for books. We're all just trying to sell books. But I just think that it's so easy to just slap the rom-com label on a title and then misrepresent it. And then you just end up with disappointed readers. And that's not good for anybody. I mean, it's good for them because you bought the book. (laughs) Like it worked. They did it. (laughs) Sucker. <laughs> but it's false advertising. Yeah, but you still bought it. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you're just salty because they got one over on you. 
you know, maybe that's true. <laughs> but it makes me more cautious on the next book. Yeah. I'll be like, I don't trust you. <laughs> and you don't want to lose reader's trust. Like, maybe there's like a short-term gain, but in the long term. Yeah, who's to say? But that is my, that is my, those are my thoughts for the week. Publishing, please, in the year 2021, can we just stop calling things rom-coms that are not rom-coms? I promise it's okay. Okay. I will still read your contemporary fiction books, and I will like them more because I'm not expecting them to be rom-coms. Okay. <laughs> End of scene. Other than that, it's been a chill week. I rewatched Julie and the Phantoms because I just was sad and needed to. Again, the existential dread was really getting to me. You know, there's there's other things that you can watch as well. Yeah, there's a lot of things to watch, but sometimes I get so overwhelmed by the ch- amount of choices that we have that it's just easier to fall back into a comfort show. And that show makes me feel good. And, you know, it was just as delightful on the second watch. And I love just as a, as a writer, I really almost appreciate a second watch more because you can go into it and really appreciate the craft of it and what the writers are doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas the first watch is just, you're along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Do, I mean, like, do you, do you ever feel that way? Sometimes, but I've been trying to watch more new stuff and there's a lot more new stuff to watch. Like the Mandalorian just came back. Don't care. Okay. Well, <laughs> Well, you know, The Mandalorian got Emmy noms. I didn't see Julian the Phantoms on that list. Julian the Phantoms came <laughs> out a month ago. Hold your hat. All right, okay. You know, I started watching For All Mankind on Apple TV Plus, continuing to just <laughs> dive through all of the content on Apple TV Plus. It's an interesting what if story about what if the space race never ended and Russians landed on the moon first. So, you know, love that what if genre. I was a big man in the High Castle fan. You were. <laughs> it was a little triggering for me. I had just to step like, away after the first season. It's just like, what if, you know? Scary stuff. But yeah, speaking of books, Mr. Dig wants everybody to do a book report. Oh, yeah. This was kind of like an unintentional tie-in. Yeah. Yeah, so today we are recapping episode 203, Mom's Best Friend. In this episode, Lizzie tries to be best friends with her mom and Matt and Lanny find a chimpanzee. This episode aired on March 8th, 2002. I thought this was a fun episode. This was so random. I mean, not the book report. The book report and the subsequent, like, uh, Lizzie wanting to have some mother-daughter bonding felt felt right, you know? It felt like a typical Lizzie McGuire story. The chimpanzee came out of nowhere. <laughs> I don't understand what they're doing with Matt McGuire these days. Just adding content to our soundboard. Yeah, I mean, last episode he was playing hide and seek. This episode, chimpanzee, it's like, he's so bored. Just send him to school. I know. (laughs) Like, if you send him to school, maybe you can actually give him, I don't know, not just completely random things. I don't even know what that means, but I gotta get back to school. He really does. (laughs) Seriously. I know, Matt McGuire has no plot at all. He's just a series of random events. (laughs) He really is. Yeah. Providing the comic relief. I know. In this episode. So just jumping in. So the episode starts with Mr. Dig, Diggs, Dig, telling students that they need to read more books and that magazines don't count, which 
I would like to say that shaming kids for what they read does not help them, does not empower them to read. So bad one on you, Mr. Digg. Then he tries to make a point about how little kids read, but then goes to Gordo, who is like the last person you should go to in this situation. Yeah, he's read like four books. Like in the last week. (laughs) He, including 100 Years of Solitude and On the Road. Yeah, real dry stuff from Gordo. (laughs) Real school reading list books. I never read 100 Years of Solitude, but I did read an excerpt of it for... Um, that aforementioned AP Spanish class that I mentioned oh, yeah. in the last episode. So mm-hmm. it's always been Cien Años de Soledad in my head. Oh, got you. Mm-hmm. And it didn't just make you want to read more? I have it. It's just the thing about... In Spanish? Not in Spanish, <laughs> but I have a copy of it. And the thing about Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and I do intend to read this book someday, but his writing style is pages upon pages with no paragraph breaks so for me I just really have to get in the right in the right frame of mind for that sort of content Mm -hmm. the density and you know Lizzie likes to read too she likes to read Harry Potter thanks a lot you muggle and Eloise as in Eloise as in a picture book (laughs) and books about cats who solve crimes so what is Lizzie's reading level (laughs) (laughs) Lizzie is clearly talking to a younger audience with these reading selections. Yeah, these recommendations are not, (laughs) they don't feel like 7th or 8th grade reading materials. So in middle school, I knew kids who were still reading that, what is that book series with the cats on the covers? There's like 30 plus of them. There's so many of them. I have no idea what you're talking about. Because I feel like that must be what she's referring to, but I can't remember the Warriors books i've never seen those before i think those are what i'm thinking of yeah i never read those books i was never into the genre of like animals as protagonists or like talking animals you didn't like uh the mouse and the motorcycle i mean as like picture books sure but once you get to chapter books and more yeah once you get to the chapter book level i really just needed some people talking to me Mm-hmm. Some children. And so Mr. Digg gives them a book report. He genders this book report in what I think is quite an unnecessary way. It's clearly to serve the plot of the episode. But it's like, why can't they all just read the same book? Yeah, I don't know that I ever had this experience in school. Like, we would always just all read the same book. Yeah. How can you have a Socratic circle if you're reading different books? <laughs> Yeah, the girls have to read The Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club, a book about a mother-daughter relationship. And the boys have to read A River Runs Through It, a book about father-son relationship. How do you feel about this? I mean, these likewise seem like real dry books. (laughs) Yeah, I I was not a fan of this, and it just seemed very impractical. (laughs) <laughs> from a teaching standpoint. Yeah, from a teaching standpoint. Like now Mr. Digg himself has to read two books. And it's like, how are you going to have a class discussion about your books when you've read two completely different books? And also Mr. Digg, like you're a substitute. Like stick to the curriculum. I know. He is like a permanent substitute of every class. Last episode, <laughs> he was giving them a social studies project. This episode, he's giving them book reports. It's like... You need to you need to stay in your lane, Mr. Digg. He cannot. 
Like, just give them some animal farm and be done with it. <laughs> or like mouse. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're now you're back to recommending books about animals. Mouse is a powerful allegory. Yeah, but the main, all the characters are mice. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear how that could be confusing, but (laughs) work with me. Okay. Yeah. I was more hung up on just how extremely gendered it was and the idea that like girls must read about mother-daughter relationships and boys must read about father-son relationships. This could be really triggering to someone who like doesn't have a mother or a father, (laughs) like (laughs) like just forcing them to read about this relationship that they don't have and they're never going to have. It just seems a little bit cruel. Yeah, like what if this was given to Sam Montgomery from A Cinderella Story? I mean, either, yeah, mother or father, just very triggering. Very triggering. And what about father-daughter relationships or- Not important. Mother-son relationships. Those are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But I digress. So from there, we cut to Lizzie in her bedroom, and she's having an extremely emotional reaction to this book. And she's reading it out loud to herself. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever read any book out loud to myself. I read books out loud to you. Well, yeah, to another person, you would have to read it out loud. But like to yourself. to yourself. Would you just sit in your room reading to yourself? No. (laughs) But yeah, she's reading it, she's crying, she is wistfully saying how beautiful it is. And then her cartoon counterpart literally goes, wah! So I'm looking up the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club, the book that they were assigned. And it's a fictional book, but apparently they made it. Oh my god, this is like the marriage vacation of Younger. Somebody IP wrote the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club. And the description says, Assigned to Lizzie McGuire as required reading during one of her school classes, the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club finally puts into print this quote-unquote lost classic, for which Lizzie fans have been fruitlessly searching since they saw Lizzie reading it during the Mom's Best Friend episode on Disney Channel's hit Lizzie McGuire television series. A post-it on the front cover of the book lets readers know that this is Lizzie's personal copy. Oh, man. humorous comments and doodles in the margins of the interior are all Lizzie's, too. Featuring a quote-unquote scholarly introduction, the book centers on Darcy Liu, a young woman living on the Louisiana bayou of the late 1940s whose orchid-growing mother to Lula and her mother's crew of eccentric Cajun poker-playing friends work together like fairy godmothers to help Darcy Liu attend the lavish New Orleans ball of her dreams. A, again, quote-unquote lost classic, the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club may not have been an Oprah Book Club selection, but it's sure to delight any Lizzie McGuire fan property of lizzie mcguire (laughs) (laughs) with notes in the margins that was something else that bothered me about like reading in in school they would make you like write in your books and then comb through your books to make sure that you'd actually written in the margins you you know stop policing how i read i kind of want to read this book (laughs) (laughs) you know what it has 4.1 out of 5 stars on goodreads your favorite platform can we see what people say about it sure um all right Jerry rated it three stars. The good. I love Lizzie McGuire in pretty much any form, and this tie-in novel of sorts was a fun one. The story was entertaining, and Lizzie's doodles and commentary were great. I especially liked the references (laughs) to God, the Bible, classic poetry, which is not what you usually get from Disney sitcoms. The bad. It also isn't as clean-cut as the original show. 
A mention of a pregnancy outside of marriage may be too much for some young readers, although it is handled discreetly. Not only that, but dot dot dot, would a school really just give a student a copy of an assigned reading book to mark up herself? They never did that when I was in school. Conclusion. The executives at Disney struck gold with Lizzie McGuire for quite a while. Anything with her name and picture on it sold like hotcakes. I'll admit to being a longtime fan, but like with many properties, I think that at times the show was misused just to make even more money. Dot, dot, dot. As was the case with this. Die had, typo, diehard fans of the show will probably love it, but everyone else should just stick to the original television series, the other tie-in novels, and the Mysteries book series. Lizzie McGuire Mysteries. Generally, people like it. I'm seeing a lot of four and five star reviews. I haven't seen a one star review yet, which is what I gravitate toward naturally. A lot of these reviews were also written in the last like two or three years, which is incredible. These feel like people who should be listening to the podcast if they've been reading this book in the last two to three years. How do we get these people? Should we just write a review of our own on Goodreads? Be like, never read this book, but check out the podcast. (laughs) Click out rate, click rating details because that will be where it breaks down. Only six people gave it a one star review, but how do I get there? Click on the, click on the bar, not the star. Oh. No written out one star reviews. Mm, I guess I'll have to go to a two star review. And in this episode of the podcast, I give Sam a tutorial on how to use Goodreads. This one's a really long one, Uh, but is it the only one? Now I wonder if the other book is real. A river runs through it? I doubt it. I mean, it was a movie in 1992 starring Brad Pitt. Huh. So is this like the novelization? Perhaps. Oh, it is a real book. Okay. School is so dumb. They make you read all these books about things that happened hundreds of years ago that aren't relevant to your life now. Like, who cares about 1940s New Orleans and the bayou? This isn't the princess and the frog. (sighs) Back, Back to the plot. All right, yeah. So she's reading this stupid book. And she is very, very invested in it. She it cries. Gave me, it gave me crazy, like, Gone with the Wind vibes. I think that's the idea. Which we now know is racist. This seemed kind of racist, too. Not going <laughs> to lie. A little bit. Just a, just, a, just a touch. It also made me think of, like, the white people in The Princess and the Frog. Mm, yeah. But that is that for now. The Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club becomes very important in this episode. Yeah. But first... We have to catch up with Matt and Lanny. So we cut to the theme song and then we catch up with Matt and Lanny who are in a lull, as Matt says. Yeah, they need to find something to do because hide and seek clearly didn't work. Yeah, so at this moment they are sitting on Matt's bed and throwing like a deck of cards. They're throwing one card at a time trying to make it land in a trash can. Mm -hmm. So it's a real low note. Yeah. But no worries, a monkey's going to climb through the bedroom window, and that's something to work with. I love how they are so unfazed by this. They're just like, huh, a chimp. Cool. Yeah, again, go to school. (laughs) (laughs) Something to work with. Yeah. Except um, the chimp makes a mess out of Matt's bedroom. Just trashes it. Throws the lamp on the ground, starts breaking things. Just in time for Sam McGuire to come in and blame Matt and Lanny. Yes. And Matt is like, no, it was it was the chimp, which obviously sounds like, you know, a story. And Sam tells the boys to quit roughhousing. And as soon as he exits, the chimp pops his head up over the window and laughs at them. 
This is a very cheeky chimp. Lanny, I think we've got ourselves a bad chimpanzee, <laughs> is what Matt says. Yes. <laughs> and then we cut back to Lizzie reading. Still out loud. Still out loud. <laughs> and before our eyes, we get a black and white reenactment of a scene from the book. And this is where you're getting the Gone with the Wind vibes, right? A little bit. And it seems like in this moment, we're given like fairly little context for what this book is actually about. Now we have read the official description of the novel, so we know a little bit more. But in this scene, the main character, Darcy Liu, is leaving and she's saying goodbye to her mother. And we get a very emotional moment. Yeah, Joe, whose character's name is Tallulah, gives Lizzie a bracelet that had been given to her by somebody named Ben Turpin. No no context <laughs> about who Ben Turpin is. But wherever Lizzie goes, that's where Joe's heart and soul need to be. And when she dies... <laughs> and it, when I die <laughs> and sink beneath the bayou mud, part of me will always be with you. Because of this bracelet from Ben Turpin. <laughs> because, ben Turp, because you have Ben Turpin's bracelet, part of me will always be yeah. with you. And then Darcy Lou is like, oh, mama, I want us to be friends, friends forever. For some reason, Tallulah affectionately calls Darcy Lou sweet potato multiple times. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and the scene concludes with, then I can finally say it. Welcome to the Orchids and Gumbo Polka Club. Gotta love the title of the book just being thrown around colloquially. <laughs> love it. Yeah. And it can be done tastefully. But in this case, it was very heavy-handed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. So Lizzie finishes the book, and we are back in reality, and she she runs into the living room. And she's like, Mom, Mom, I want to be friends. This is her takeaway from the book, is that now she needs to be best friends with her mom. Yeah, but Joe and Sam are busy. They're watching the American Kennel Club, <laughs> the Westminster Dog Show. Yes. And Joe's like, cool yeah i mean like we're friends and she's like no 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 friends like two women who share everything with each other friends that you see on oprah we need to be friends before you sink into the bayou mud she's taking this away too literally she really is and joe's like well lizzie i'm not sinking into any mud anytime soon but yes i would love to spend more time with you and this is all intercut with sam just getting really into the dog show Lizzie wants to start her own orchid and gumbo poker society with her mom. Joe's like, yeah, great. Whatever that means, sure. Let's spend time together. Yeah, she can't think of anything that she would rather do. She's so excited. So excited. And then. That's it. I'm never watching the Westchester Kennel Club again. <laughs> is that what you mean? Yeah, is Sam is upset for? by the outcome of the Westchester Kennel Club. Sam's a big St. Bernard fan. Aren't we all? <laughs> Yes. All right. Next day, Sam is walking through the kitchen carrying a gnome, and the kitchen has been trashed. Yeah, like really trashed. It's so bad. And I almost want to play this scene, even though it has nothing to do with Lizzie and her mom. There's just so much content. Okay. In a short period of time. <laughs> and we love short clips. Matt! Matt! Whoa, what happened in here? Why don't you tell me? I didn't do this. Who do you suppose did? 
You're right, Lenny. It was that dang dirty ape. So you're still pretending there's some chimpanzee around here doing all the things you don't want to get blamed for. But there is. That's it. You're both grounded. What? You can't ground Lenny. He's not your kid. You're right. You're grounded twice as long, Matt. Lenny, help him clean up the kitchen. This is an evil chimp. We got a chimp to catch. It was that dang dirty ape. <laughs> I think that's a line from um, Planet of the Apes. Really? Yes. And... We know that Matt's a big Planet of the Apes fan from... Oh, wait, no. Or was that Gordo, who's a Planet of the Apes fan? But only the Mark Wahlberg version. Yeah, that was Gordo. Uh, the writers, in general, are big Planet of <laughs> yeah. the Apes fans. Hence why <laughs> there is a chimp here in the episode. Yeah, I also love the line, You can't ground Lanny. He's not your kid. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. I like that one, too. I even, I even cut it just in case we need it in the future. You can't ground Lanny. He's not your kid. <laughs> and I must note that the chimp in this scene stole Lanny's move and he was hiding in the pantry the whole time. Back to back hiding in the pantry. Yeah. <laughs> so now they've got a chimp to catch. Then we cut to the digital bean and Lizzie brings her mom there to hang out with her and her friends. Yeah, and Miranda and Gordo's first assumption is that they're in trouble. They're like, why is Joe here? Yeah, and like Miranda confesses to breaking a, what she called a, a hobo figurine? Yeah, I don't know what that means. And Joe's like, it's okay. I never liked it anyways. I'm not a regular mom, Miranda. I'm a cool mom. I'm a cool mom. I forget if, I don't think I clipped that. No, I don't have that one when she said that. And then... Joe leaves the scene. She, I think she like goes to the bathroom or something. And Miranda and Gordo are just so shook by this. They're like, what is, what is your mom doing here? And Lizzie's like, mom's hanging out with us. We're friends. We hang. Yeah. And she tells them that the orchids and gumbo made her realize that it's really important to spend time with your mother. And they start calling each other, Lizzie and Joe, sweet potato and Tallulah. So weird. It's like a little... I don't like it. And neither do Gordo and Miranda. They no. support uh, as little communication with parents as possible. Gordo even says it prepares you for marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's just where their minds are at. Yeah, and Miranda acts out the ideal parent-child relationship. Yeah, um, it's like you come home, parents ask you how your day was, you say, fine. And then they ask what you're doing later and you say, I don't know. And scene. Very minimal interaction. Yeah. And Lizzie's like, that might be good for you, but I want a more mature relationship with my mom. Lizzie, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. <laughs> so then we cut to Lizzie and Joe in... Sorry, that just reminded me of this clip. When will I be old enough to trust when I'm 50? <laughs> <laughs> I like this episode and like what it's doing and the mother-daughter the exploration of the mother-daughter relationship. I myself am very close with my mom and I feel like I related to this episode more than maybe some of the other episodes of the show. But we will see that Lizzie sort of backtracks from this fairly quickly. Yeah, she has regrets. Yeah. And it happens almost immediately because they're making pottery together 
Um, they're having cute moments. It's like the movie Ghosts with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> Joe puts clay on Lizzie's nose and ha ha ha, they're having so much fun. Lizzie gives Joe a broken piece of plastic. Lizzie realizes that... Sometimes it's like I'm too perfect. And then all of a sudden, Joe gets a phone call. So important, she doesn't even wipe off wait, her wait, hands. Wait, 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 We cannot skip over the fact that both of their ideal live human art model is Denzel Washington. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> They're both thirsty for some Denzel Washington. <laughs> they both are big Remember the Titans fans. Yeah, some 2002 Denzel. <laughs> yes. But then Joe gets a phone call. It's so important she doesn't even wipe off her hand. She just picks up her clay, <laughs> her her hand with clay all over it, picks up her phone, and it's Nana. Yes, we have a Nana appearance. Yes. And Joe doesn't want to tell Lizzie what it was about at first, but then finally she confesses that Nana, she wants a separation from Grandpa Chuck. And this blows Lizzie's mind. Nana? <laughs> Grandpa Chuck? Yeah. Um, Nana craves an adventurous lifestyle, and Grandpa Chuck just wants to yell at his TV. He's like Archie Bunker, essentially. Yeah, Nana is missing out on life. She wants to go skiing in the Swiss Alps. She wants to eat sushi in Tokyo. She wants to go line dancing in Texas. Grandpa Chuck leads a more sedentary lifestyle. Yeah, and Lizzie is like, grandparents don't split up. They give you money when your parents aren't looking. Come on, Lizzie. There's more important things than your than your grandparents funding all of your endeavors. Yeah. And Joe's like, you know, this has happened before. It will be fine. She'll talk to Nana. Nana will go to Vegas for the weekend and it'll all blow over. And Lizzie's like, <laughs> doubt it. <laughs> Maybe I didn't want to know. I mean, dot, dot, dot. this has happened multiple times. Like, just let Nana leave. Just let Nana do her own thing. She doesn't need to be with Grandpa Chuck, who is clearly boring. Nana is a free spirit. Yeah, she's a free spirit. She's an MVP. Was Grandpa Chuck ever an MVP? No, because he does <laughs> nothing. Let Nana leave. Stop, <laughs> stop brainwashing her to stay with this deadbeat man. Yeah. And then we get a rare Gordo and Miranda conversation a rare gordo and miranda conversation what are you talking about they're conversing with each other all the time they're gordo and miranda yeah but it's just the two of them and of course they're talking about lizzie so i mean in this moment they are but later on they have just a conversation between the two of them because they're gordo and miranda <laughs> your classic hermione and ron <laughs> except not yeah gordo is hacky sacking and they're talking about how weird it is that Lizzie is hanging out with her mom. And Gordo says, yeah, but a lot of things are weird. Tofu bacon, Harold's cat, country music. And somehow this conversation takes a turn. And by the end of it, they think, hmm, maybe Lizzie's onto something. And maybe it's worth trying to hang out with their parents. Yeah. So basically, Miranda's going to go to the mall and Gordo's going to go fishing. That's the plan. Yeah. I cut ahead. But first... We get our montage, and it is to catch a chimp. Yeah, it does not go well. It's a crazy montage. Yeah, they try a lot of different things, and none of it works, um, including Matt just dressing up as a giant banana. And then the effect of, like, the arrow. It's like monkey bait. Yeah, it's crazy that they don't catch this chimpanzee because they're in the same exact place for multiple scenes. Yeah, at one point they're riding tricycles inside their house. 
but it's like it's extremely chaotic it is they eventually hide in like a trash can trying to find the chimpanzee and this is not a good hiding spot because sam eventually just empties the trash out on top of them yeah and finally matt is like this isn't working lanny we need some foolproof monkey bait yeah they need to catch the chimp before he's grounded for life yeah and then even more rare than a gordo and miranda conversation we get Gordo and Miranda talking separately to their parents. I know. Gordo, so we get we get another scene in Gordo's house. His house has a it's been decorated a little bit more than we saw it last time. They got some ficuses. There's some plants <laughs> just hanging around now instead of just the bare <laughs> the bare studio dining room that they had before. Yeah. And Gordo asks his dad if he wants to go fishing with him. And it just like turns into a psyche eval. It's like, what parent talks like this? Um, Older Gordon. Yeah. He's like, at this age, you should want to be distancing yourself from your parents. And yet you want closeness rather than distance. (laughs) And Gordo's like, yeah, I've been reading A River Runs Through It and I want to go fishing. And so Gordo's dad opens up his calendar and he's like, oh, good news. Saturday is wide open. They're sitting on like opposite ends of the dining room table as well. Like they could not be farther apart from each other. Yeah. So they're going to leave at six going to get some breakfast at seven, be out of breakfast by 730. They have a, pl- they're going to have a planned spontaneous conversation. It's going to be great. Yes. Um, a spontaneous discussion of our place in the world and our emotional response <laughs> to it. Yeah. Nothing like a good planned spontaneous conversation. It's <laughs> like, who is this guy? Yeah. And likewise, Miranda's having a conversation with her mom. And her mom is kind of similar to Lizzie. Like, she's also very excited to be hanging out with Miranda, but like to the next degree. She's like, yes, I'm going to get my purse and we're going to go to the mall and I'm going to buy you this and I'm going to buy you that. And we're going to get makeup and we're going to get new outfits. It's very extra. I also noted that. Miranda's room is definitely just Lizzie's room with like (laughs) decorated slightly differently. Yeah. This should be Miranda's dream. I mean, the mall closes in five hours. They have to go (laughs) now. Let's go. Then we get more of Joe talking to Lizzie about adult problems. Yeah. Joe has been really bottling this up inside of her for some time now. So it's really good to have somebody to just vent to. Yes. I'm like, do you have friends? No, clearly she does not. Yeah. That's why she goes and volunteers at the convalescent hospital. Yeah. Those are her friends. And things are still tense between Nana and Grandpa Chuck. Nana went to Vegas, but this time when she came back, she was still mad. She even won like four games of Ultimate Bingo. Yeah, but she's still upset. Yeah, and Joe is like, maybe this is just a time where you just have to wait and see how it all turns out. Like when your dad had tax problems. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason for those tax problems is just because his social security number is one digit off from Bill Gates. Yeah. I mean, what a circumstance. That's why the government thought they owed them $618 million. They were actually neighbors growing up, Sam McGuire and Bill Gates. (laughs) Sam McGuire could have been on the ground floor of Microsoft, but instead he's doing whatever he's doing. And Lizzie's like, we had tax problems? (laughs) and joe is like oh yeah we almost lost the house everything unless he's like what oh yeah we almost had to give you up for adoption it was a crazy time (laughs) but everything turned out to be a big mistake and lizzie is at this point is like this is too much information and i'm gonna dip out and do my homework 
And it's like, here's the thing about Lizzie. Lizzie really likes the friendship part where, you know, she unloads to her mother. But when you flip the script, Lizzie just still wants to be a kid. She does not want to know. (laughs) Yeah, Lizzie wants to be treated like an adult, but can't handle it. No. And this is like typical in Lizzie McGuire fashion. It's like when she wants to be popular, gets a little bit of popularity, can't handle it. I know. Like Lizzie's all talk. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So Lizzie just remembered she has a ton of homework. It's going to take hours. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) And then we cut back to the chimp chase and Matt and Lanny have set up an elaborate trap. And of course, Sam McGuire gets caught in it. Your behavior, your attitude are just so bad. They use bananas as bait. And when Sam picks up the bananas, this whole elaborate trap launches into effect, ending with Sam McGuire upside down. Yeah. Um, but it turns out that was actually just the initial trap. Like... That was all part of the plan. Yeah, that was all part of the plan. Like, that wasn't a trap for the monkey. That was a trap for Sam McGuire (laughs) specifically. And it worked to a T. Yeah, I mean, Lanny knew that if Sam got caught in the banana trap, the chimp couldn't resist coming out to laugh at him. (laughs) And so now they've finally caught the chimpanzee, that evil, evil chimp. That dang dirty ape. Yeah, and Sam realizes that he was gaslighting them the entire time. Yeah, he was like, oh, so there is a chimp. Back to Lizzie and Joe. Joe finds Lizzie outside on the patio and has some good news. Yeah, she talked to Nana and Grandpa Chuck bought her a single red rose and took her out for a Mongolian barbecue and now everything is fine. Yeah, all all Nana needed was a night out with her husband. So dumb. Nana was going to be my MVP until she pulled this. Now I can't give Nana my MVP. (laughs) Be an independent woman, Nana. So much better than this. (laughs) And Joe says that it's been great having Lizzie to talk this stuff out with. But Lizzie kind of admits that she freaked out and she wanted to be there for her mom. But she did get upset hearing about Nana and Grandpa Chuck. Maybe she's just not ready for this sort of stuff yet. Yeah. She's just ready for Ethan Kraft to like her and to be told she's having a good hair day. That's it. Yeah. And so they're just going to have to wait a few years to be friends. And Joe says... I'm going to miss you, sweet potato. I'll miss you too, Tallulah. Oh my God. I wrote, Lizzie's like, I like sharing stuff with you, but I'm not ready for you to share stuff with me. No. Which is pretty much like the thesis statement of this episode. Basically, yes. And then Joe, in homage to the Orchid and Gumbo Poker Club, gives Lizzie the pointy piece of broken plastic from their pottery class and says that Lizzie can give it back to her when they're ready to be friends. Yes. And the doorbell rings, and two people that we've seen before show up at the door. Yeah, it's the guys from the movie theater. Lizzie saved one of their lives. (laughs) Crazy coincidence. And they were also in Gordo's Bar Mitzvah documentary. Yeah, two big guys. They're back. And they are the owners of this chimp who now has a name, Fredo, short for um, Alfredo. They have a real weird relationship with the chimp. Matt says before they answer the door that I want you to know that you're an evil demon chimp and I never want to see your evil face again. (laughs) Yeah, what a B story. And then we wrap up this episode at the Digital Bean. Gordo and Miranda are recounting their experiences hanging out with their parents. 
Miranda feels guilty that her mom was just so excited to be with her that she bought her the entire mall. Uh, yeah, in a similar way that Lizzie just gets everything she ever wanted and then can't handle it, the same thing happened with Miranda. Yeah. Further emphasizing the fact that <laughs> they're the same person. Correct. And the fishing didn't happen for Gordo. During their 815 nature appreciation, they were the target of an unscheduled skunk attack. So he spent the entire day bathing in tomato juice and is currently wearing a car air freshener. I mean, you can't prepare for everything. Then Lizzie arrives and Joe is just dropping her off. She's not staying. And Lizzie tells her friends that being friends with her mom right now just didn't work out. They like broke up. I know. It's like we're going to see other people for a while. Yeah. And Gordo's like, they have their world and we have ours. It's a bad idea to mix them. That feels like a quote that could be horribly misconstrued. I know. <laughs> and that is how the episode ends. Yeah. And it's kind of like a confusing message, I think, overall. It is. Yeah. It's like, what is this episode trying to say? You can try to be friends with your parents, but, but it won't work. It won't work. Don't read books. <laughs> don't read. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think there's like a balancing act when it comes to your relationship with your parents, especially at that age. Mm -hmm. I think that, I don't know, I'm extremely close with my mom and we're definitely always oversharing. Were you oversharing at 12? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't keep, th I didn't really keep things from my mom. She always kind of knew what was up. But did she keep things from you? Not really. I mean, maybe there are things I still don't know, but I feel like you have a very different relationship with your parents. I feel like you're a classic Gordo. Yeah, here. I'm a Gordo here. Although I would never go fishing in my life. That's not <laughs> something I ever have an interest in doing. It's true. But yeah, I, I'm, I like this episode structurally. I think it's entertaining, but I, I'm not, again, I'm not sure what the takeaway is supposed to be here. Yeah, it's it's confusing. Yeah, and the book that the books that they read feel slightly problematic. They do. Okay, should we get into some outfits? Yes, let's talk some outfits. I mean, I think the trend of season two continues. I don't know. These feel more like season one outfits from Lizzie Gordo and Miranda at the beginning. Yeah. Like the patterned pants from Lizzie, the shirt with the studs that read Angel. Her yes. long lost friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bad girl McGuire. Throw back the crimp tear. But more coordinated than season one. Like her shirt is purple and her pants are also purple. I don't think that makes it coordinated. Why would you want to wear a purple shirt and pants? That seems like objectively like too much purple. You're objectively too much purple. Okay. Well, like if you want to talk coordination, like Gordo is wearing an orange shirt over a blue undershirt. Those are two complementary colors. So Ew. good job, Gordo. That's coordination. I learned that in art class. And Miranda is wearing a shirt with yellow baseball sleeves. Unclear what the print on her shirt is. Yeah. It's um, like a character art. Graphic art. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Why? I, I just wanted to just read what was on the blackboard behind them. Write about how two things are different or alike. Are they in third grade? <laughs> what what are these assignments? There's a paper due Friday and a test on Monday. In addition to the paper that they're being assigned right now. They have the different there, there, your, your, and it's, it's on the board. 
Yeah, they're learning contractions, but also adjectives. <laughs> Examples of adjectives. In cold places, many people travel by sled. This seems like a low... This is why Lizzie's still reading Eloise. I guess so. <laughs> the bar is not high. The bar is, in fact, very low. This is why Gordo's about to skip a grade. <laughs> I know. I don't know what's... I, I lost the blackboard behind them. It looks, on, it looks like on the back wall, maybe they've circled some verbs. I don't know. They're just learning parts of speech. <laughs> As eighth graders. As eighth graders. <laughs> Interesting. Moving on. Yes, moving on. Matt and Lanny are hanging out in Matt's bedroom. Matt is wearing just an orange kind of t-shirt over a long sleeve gray shirt, but Lanny has a button-down shirt over a shirt with more buttons. Interesting. Yeah, it's like a Henley. Which is a choice. Like, only one layer should have buttons. He kind of looks like Gordo here. I mean, if you think Lanny looks like Gordo, just wait until Sam McGuire walks in if you want to see a real Gordo look. If you want to see what Gordo is going to look like in 30 years, it's it's Sam McGuire in this scene. You're right. And the chimp comes in wearing a shirt too. Chimp comes in in a green t-shirt. Oh yeah, we do get a clothed chimp. We do get outfit content from yeah. the chimp. Looks like there's an alien on that shirt. I don't know, something. It does. Such a happy chimp. Look at that smile. Yeah, I always worry about animals on sets, but you Me know, too. that's another <laughs> that's another issue. All right, so we get a black and white scene between Lizzie and Joe McGuire, and I don't know, does this just scream 1940s Louisiana Bayou to you? I don't know what it screams. It does scream Leave it to Beaver to me. Like a southern accent, Leave it to Beaver? Yeah. I don't know, like, what's the pattern on Joe's dress? It looks like fans. Just fans. Very ruffly sleeves from Lizzie. They're objectively cute dresses. Except you don't know what color they are. I know. Lanny, outfit repeater. Ooh. <laughs> like Lanny, we've definitely seen that shirt before. You're not fooling anybody. I'm surprised we don't have a sound effect for that at this point. We just have shaming. We Ooh. do. Ooh, outfit repeater. Outfit repeater. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> so Gordo and Miranda hanging out at the weird cafe and Gordo looks pretty classic, pretty classic Gordo, but Miranda has pulled together like a like a vest that she got from Harrods or something. Burberry. <laughs> Burberry, maybe. I mean, she's been hanging out at the mall. Bold choice of Joe McGuire to wear a white shirt <laughs> at a pottery class. Maybe she's just looking to get rid of it. Living on the edge. Let's talk oh, about geez. Nana. Because even though Nana doesn't get any speaking lines, they take some crazy stills of Nana. And <laughs> Nana is always here to impress. Like, look at her line dancing here. Denim shirt and jeans. Straight out of Texas. Straight out of Texas. Look at her, you know. <laughs> Screen grab is frightening. <laughs> look at her doing some, uh, like, jumping, like a ski jump with a vest that says senior. Senior ski. Look at her here eating sushi. Probably not in Tokyo, just in like a Benihana. But, you know, it's fine. Oh, cringe. <laughs> in like a track jacket. And the hat that the employee is wearing. She wants to be hired. Nana's just living her life. She is. She's living her best life. So what's crazy is the chimpanzee changes his <laughs> outfits as well. So he was wearing a green t-shirt before, but in the montage where Lanny and Matt are chasing him around, he's changed into like a white sort of baseball jersey. And if he was lost, how is this possible? He brought, he packed. <laughs> packed for the trip. Yeah, he packed for the trip. 
You know, it's amazing. Every time we interact with Gordon Sr., I don't know what his name is, Gordo's dad, Gordo could be a lot weirder. He could. He could be very much, very strange. Miranda's mom comes in and she is... Mom jeans. I think those are overalls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's got some overalls. She looks cute. She actually looks like she could be Miranda's mom and she looks like a grown-up Miranda. She does, but overalls are like the worst... Like, why would anybody ever wear overalls? I don't understand. For, like, practical reasons? Yeah. Like, how do you pee? Yeah, you have to completely undress. Yeah. Anything for fashion. So pottery is just what Lizzie and (laughs) Joe McGuire do. And Lizzie is doing pottery now in an American Girl shirt, which is crazy because Joe McGuire, or rather Hallie Todd, will 15 years later star in an American Girl movie. Yeah, Leah to the rescue, <laughs> which looks hella problematic from the trailer that we Crazy watched. foreshadowing, yeah. Uh, we've got our two guys. I so feel the, like they're always wearing the same outfit. Yeah, these two guys, <laughs> they come in to get their chimpanzee, who's now not only in a shirt, he's got pants as well. Yeah, he's in a third outfit. The chimp is the <laughs> <laughs> has the most versatile fashion in this episode. He really does. And so... Yeah, I feel like they're all like this. The one guy with the longer hair is always wearing a baseball jersey. The other guy is always wearing this like fishing hat. They're always wearing the same things. Crazy. This is the only outfit that they have. All right. And then at the Digital Bean, it looks like they're eating some Keebler cookies, which, you know, I support that choice fully. And those are great cookies. Miranda, you know, has like pink and purple hair now. Yeah. Some clip-in extensions. And another collar. Lizzie's still wearing her heart necklace that we assume she got from Ronnie. No, she had that necklace pre-Ronnie. There's a pre-Ronnie necklace? Yeah. Was it a Larry Tudgman necklace? Ooh. Oh. And Joe McGuire looking fly in a jean jacket. The art on Lizzie's shirt is kind of frightening. Yeah, we don't need to dive too deep into it. She's a creepy looking girl. (laughs) (laughs) That is... The fashion. Yay, fashion. Okay, MVP. I'm ready to go. Okay, who's your MVP? My MVP this episode is Joe McGuire. Really? Why is Joe McGuire your MVP? Joe McGuire is my MVP because I just thought that this was a great mom episode for her. She got a lot of content. She was down to spend more time with her daughter, to hang out with her to do pottery with her but she was also able to meet Lizzie where she's at and adapt like she overshared when she thought Lizzie wanted oversharing when she realized that that wasn't the right thing to do or when Lizzie freaked out she pulled back she was just there to be a good mom in this episode yes so all right Joe good choice I don't know it's hard because initially you see Nana and you just want to give it to her but like I said, can't give it to Nana because I didn't support the ultimate choice that she made. She could have been an independent woman, and instead she just comes crawling back to Chuck, who's objectively terrible. And I know nothing about Chuck, but I'm just over him. You're a little judgmental on Chuck. Maybe. Yeah, not a fan of Chuck. Grandpa Chuck to you. Show some respect. Charles. Man, I don't know. This is hard. You know what? I hate to do it, but I think that we have to do it. And... I don't love this choice, but I think that it's a choice that has to be made. The MVP of this episode has to be the chimpanzee. (laughs) (laughs) I really wanted to give it to a human character, 
but I feel like all of the human characters, you know, were a little bit suspect. If I had to give uh, an MVP to a human character, it probably would have been Joe because Sam McGuire is a gaslighter. Lizzie is objectively, you know, she can't handle, she wants things, but she can't handle them. Same with Miranda. Gordo uh, got skunked. Gordo did get skunked, and now he's wearing a car air freshener like a loser. Like, just go get some deodorant, you weirdo. It's a little harsh. <laughs> Matt McGuire, you know, go to school. Same thing with you, Lanny, go to school. I don't know. I feel like as much as I worry that this chip, <laughs> that the chimpanzee, like, didn't want to be there, and, you know, I always worry about animals on set. The chimpanzee really did steal the show, came out of nowhere, had three outfits, which is, you know, more than Lanny has, apparently. <laughs> Same with his owners. So, you know, I think the chimpanzee has to get the MVP here. What a week on the outfit repeaters. But you know what? One step at a time, Joe McGuire making a late push. I know. She's <laughs> just edged out Miranda for third place. We say this like we're really approaching the end but we have a very long time to go we do we still have like 30 more episodes i know like it's still technically anybody's anybody's mvp to win there you have it another week another episode of lizzie mcguire as always you can follow us at outfit repeat pod on twitter or email us at outfit repeaters podcast at gmail.com Yes, as always, this episode, along with all of our other episodes, are available at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfitrepeaters. Um, it'll also be available pretty much on any platform where podcasts are available. Be sure to tune in next week for episode 204, The Rise and Fall of the Kate Empire. And I just wanted to add, before we close out the show... This episode is scheduled to air on Election Day. So it really, I mean, we both hope that you are voting, have voted by now. Maybe you'll be listening to the outfit repeaters while in line to vote. But please take care of yourselves this week. It's going to be a week. <laughs> yeah. And if you're one of our international listeners, reach out to one of your American friends and be like, vote. Why haven't you voted already, you noob? Yeah, check in on us. Make sure we're okay. <laughs> it's going to be a fun time. I mean, we're not going to know on Tuesday. No. So. But I just wanted to put that out there. We're entering a, a weird moment. Take care of yourselves. Drink some water. Watch some Lizzie McGuire. And make a plan. Because no matter how Tuesday goes, there's a lot of work to do. Either way. <laughs>